What's going on, ladies and gents? Robert Sykes, KetoSavage.com, and today I have special guest Chris Elkins of Cutting Edge Physiques on here. This is going to be cool because he is a, a WNBF natural pro bodybuilder. He and I never competed together on stage at the same time, but I've seen him compete. He's seen me compete, so it's it's just cool. We kind of go way back as far as competitions are concerned. But without further ado, how are you, man? I'm good, man. Thanks for having me. How are you? I'm good. I'm great. I'm great. So I think this would be cool because I've had a lot of uh, guests on here that are that are keto. I've had guests on here that are competitors. I've not had really too many natural competitors that are not keto. So it'll be a, a, a cool contrast and just styles, but it gives people more perspective. Um, so it, it'll be good from that sense for sure. But before we dive into the nutrition, man, just kind of bring me up to speed on on what what got you into bodybuilding in the first place, man? I'm always keen to figure out what's people's motivation for for doing the sport. Yeah, I've. It's hard to say, really. Like, I just remember um, I wanted to look better, so I started working out, and then I, I found, uh, you know, I went on the internet and I was looking at uh, training splits. Um, I was about 27, so I was already a little bit older, and um, I had like lifted casually uh, as a teenager in high school just like, you know, basic stuff. Like I had like a chest press machine. I had like this Joe Weider all-in-one machine in my uh, garage. And so I just, you know, I just did some stuff to stay in shape. And I felt like I had decent like uh, shape muscles and stuff, but I was just, I was just like a small guy growing up. And then um, I joined the Marines and we did calisthenics and a little bit of weightlifting, did some more weightlifting when I was in Iraq, but I was just really not consistent. I never really trained. I don't think I ever put more than three to four months at a time uh, into consistent training. And then I'll just do another hobby or, or fall off or whatever, you know? And uh, so, but I remember when I was 27, I was just kind of bored. Um, I had broke, I, I was doing a lot of indoor rock climbing and had broken my hand playing catch with football behind the office. One of my employees has like a, had a rocket for an arm. And um, I was like, well, this sucks. And I had to get surgery and um, I rehabbed it, but just, Indoor rock climbing, I loved it, but it, it was a lot harder after breaking my finger. I just had a, a screw in there. And um, so, but I liked the way that I was looking with like the resistance training that came with rock climbing. Like I could tell I was building muscle. So I, it, long story short, I went online and I remember going, finding Kino Body, then um, figuring out that his like whole intermittent fasting thing came from this guy, Lean Gains. And then I remember um, he had a link to the Hodge Twins and I went to YouTube. I thought they were funny. And I remember seeing a video from Matt Ogus, and this was like the first time I had ever seen him. It was 2012. And um, it was all just like one link to the other, you know, kind of like the way YouTube works, how you just, oh, this video was recommended. Mm -hmm. And I saw that he, he had that 2011 Matt versus uh, where Matt versus Mayhem, where he competed in the Muscle Mayhem. And I was in Fremont in the Bay Area, and he was in Sacramento, and that show was in Sacramento. And I was like, well, that's not very far. And, um, and I was like, oh, man, this guy's young you know, younger than me. And if he can do it, then why can't I? And I, I saw that he worked with a group called 3DMJ. And so naturally I was like, oh, well, I could do that. Why not? And so I, I hit up 3DMJ. They accepted me as a client and like, I didn't know anything. I didn't know what I was doing, but I just, um, yeah, I just kind of like fell in love with the whole process of competing. And I did four shows in 2013. I did like a I was like five, five to six month bulk and I gained 25 pounds. So I started the heaviest I'd ever been, um, not really knowing that if that was like too much weight gain or what. So I went from like 140 to 165 
um, over the span of six months. And, and I don't really regret it, even though I probably could have been more optimal about everything. And I didn't even train legs for the first time until like 2012 because I was like, well, I, you know, obviously I have to start training legs. And so, um, yeah, I just, I just had a great time competing. I did novice classes and I won, um, I won like two novice classes. So then I couldn't do novice anymore. And then I, um, took second at the open class, the mayhem against Matt. And I was like, this it was surreal because I just seen this guy on YouTube and that's what like inspired me to compete. And then I'm competing with him in one of the biggest shows in the open class. And, uh, and you know, Obviously, my muscle development wasn't anywhere near where his was, but um, I still finished second, which which felt pretty awesome. So, uh, and then I did one more yeah. show in uh, my hometown of Virginia Beach, and I um, actually won the lightweight open class. And um, and you know, these small shows, but still, like that felt amazing. And uh, so then I took an off season and just just uh, kept getting better and better. It's kind of crazy, man. Like you you go down the YouTube rabbit hole. And like Matt Ogus, I mean, he's one of like the OGs from the natural bodybuilding, you know, sector. And natural bodybuilding does not get much publicity in the first place. So not many people even know it exists. But it, it's cool. There's an outlet for people that, that are natural to be able to step on stage and be competitive. Because, I mean, it's once you once you get into the sport, it's freaking addicting. I agree. I had no idea that natural bodybuilding was a thing. So I never really would have pursued it as like a sport or something that I could like do long term like so i had done um some bike riding i did a triathlon i've done a half marathon but I never really felt like i could be like competitive in those like that would be like oh cool i i can finish a race and i get a participation medal basically right but with with bodybuilding um i would have never even thought to compete in that because i didn't want to ever take like i didn't know anything about steroids and i didn't want to take steroids but i just assumed that in order to do a bodybuilding competition you had to be you know, 250 pounds and you had to be on steroids and you had to look like, you know, similar to like a Ronnie Coleman type look or Jay Cutler or whatever. Right. And so mm -hmm. when I found out that there was a division for people that looked like, you know, Matt Ogus and then me not knowing you better, I thought I kind of looked like that. I was like, oh yeah, I'm that big, but even now I'm still not that big. So it's just funny though. But like, at least I found out that there was a division for, you know, drug tested athletes. And I thought that was awesome. So that was like, it was like a perfect fit for me. So now as like, what, you know, what I like to do is, is just try to, whenever someone comes to me and they want to compete, I always ask them like, okay, well, you know, I'm assuming that you're natural. Have you considered doing a natural show? Cause they almost always come with an NPC show in mind. They're like, oh yeah, I'm looking at this show. Like, you know, you're in Washington. They're like, oh, I'm looking at the Emerald Classic or whatever. And I'm like, hey man, have you thought about doing a natural show? Oh, natural show. What's that? And I'm like, I explain natural bodybuilding and these guys aren't even using steroids or at least, you know, they say they're not. So I'm, I'm thinking like, man, it's just really not that well advertised. So that's what I, I really want to um, bring awareness to the sport that even, I mean, people don't even know it exists. Why do you think that is? Why do you think there is so, so much ignorance around it? Is it just that the advertising budget isn't as big or, or what do you think? Yeah, I think it's a combination. You know, the NPC is one company. So it's, united and they spend a lot of money advertising promoting athletes and promoting the events and natural organizations are small you lack the there's no like major olympia there's like you know wmbf worlds is pretty big don't get me wrong but it's not it's not like the olympia where there's a huge expo around it or the arnold classic and then i think that there is a freak factor to 
how lean we get in natural bodybuilding. And and you don't see, especially the heavyweight guys look incredible. You don't see an average gym goer looking anything like that. But uh, it's not as easy to see maybe in the off season where you have a guy like um, Kai Green who who is you know five eight. 250 pounds or whatever it's like he he takes up a ton of space that guy people are gonna um heads are gonna turn no matter whether he's on off season on season or whatever so maybe it's easier to to get attention but i think it's just as you know especially with social media it's such a more marketable look like you know classic physique is really popular now but pro natural bodybuilders literally embody the classic physique um ideal in my opinion so it's just a in my opinion it's just a lack of um marketing and and the use of social media i definitely think that it could be just as big if people would promote it the right way yeah i agree it's sad i mean like you look at the the biggest you know natural bodybuilding show like the prize money with that you know compared to what the biggest you know normal bodybuilding show is and it it, it's totally pales in comparison it's it's sad that more money isn't allocated towards what is a healthier path in the first place. Yeah, but do you think prize money really matters? Because I know, like, I mean, it's cool to win money, but I don't compete to win money. I I compete for the own my own personal like, um, what what's the term like, you know, just the fulfillment. I guess it's so rewarding in itself that I really I I don't care so much about the money. Yeah, well, as a as a pro natural bodybuilder, neither neither of us are making any money doing that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. But I mean, it would be nice. But the one the one issue that does arise when you start increasing the uh, payouts is that you know people will look for ways to cheat. I think, and and that's I mean that sucks. But uh, I guess that's just part of life. You know, if uh, if there's a, a high reward, then people are going to take the risk or they're going to do unethical things uh, to try to get ahead. I would, I, a lot of people say things like, oh, you know, natural bodybuilding is not even really natural, but I, I disagree. I think 99.9% of competitors are clean. I mean, I'm sure there's a couple bad, bad eggs out there, but I think, you know, for the most part, it's a clean sport. Yeah, I agree. I think, you know, a lot of people, because I mean, there's, there's no reason for them to really take steroids and compete and claim to be natural. I mean, they have very little to gain from it. You know, they might as well do an NPC show where they could get more publicity or more, you know, prize money. With with natural bodybuilding, I mean, like you said, we we definitely don't do it for the prize money. I mean, there's no money to be really made. Um, but for me, like like you said earlier, I don't I don't hold a I don't look down on people that do, you know, use steroids. If that's their way to make a living, you know, they do what they got to do. But for me, it just makes sense to you know I got into bodybuilding in the first place to epitomize you know health and and, and longevity. And I feel like if I was to jump on the steroid train i'd be sacrificing all that in the first place yeah it would be a little bit hypocritical and i agree with you like i have friends that use steroids and i don't um i don't look down upon them that's their choice as long as they're not uh pretending to uh you know what i mean like as as long as they're not misleading people or they're not trying to compete in a drug tested show after being on drugs like you know as long as they're um transparent i think it's it's fine i mean i'm not really for encouraging uh, younger people to to use steroids or to take the other you know the enhanced route, but um, what what you do with your own body, I, I, I for the most part am pretty uh, open about like have a pretty libertarian view when it comes to that. But um, yeah, I mean you know I'm I'm actually promoting a show in 2019 
and uh, I'm pretty excited about it. It's going to be the uh, Max Hype Supernatural August 10th, 2019. And I think I'm going to do, I'm going to use all of my social media access and, and just try to get as many people involved in it as I can. What, what does that look like, man? Because I've often thought about, you know, that whole process promoting a show. What, what does that, what does that look like? Like, what does it entail? I, I guess we'll find out, huh? <laughs> so you just jumped in and decided to, to do one? I mean, just randomly? No, I mean, it's something that, I, that I've thought about ever since I, I won my pro card. I've, I've said, hey, man, I would love to, uh, love to host one of these. And then I just started, I didn't know that we would do it so soon. I was thinking it might not be for another couple of years. But after talking to the president of the WMBF, vice president of WMBF, and, and just um, and my business partner, Chris Barricat, with Max Hype, I, you know, this is, it's our brand and we um, really support natural bodybuilding and we love competing in the WMBF because we feel like their shows are pretty well run and the uh, drug testing is, you know, top notch. So we, um, I, I, so first off, Florida doesn't have a WMBF pro show. So I wanted to do a pro and an amateur show. And then I um, wanted to put it in summer because, uh, you know, the kids will be out of school and there's there's a couple in California, so it's not really needed in California. But Florida doesn't have it. Uh, Chris Barricat lives in Tampa, and um, with the way the airports are set up, I figured Orlando is a perfect spot. And uh, so we decided on Orlando, August 10th. And I just figured, like you know, I'm I'm competing this year. Next year, I'm obviously not competing because you know it takes time to make gains. So I'm taking the at least one year off, maybe two. And uh, I just figured it'd be perfect timing. So we're gonna um, we're gonna link up with an event planner. I'm talking to the lady who ran um, Christian Guzman's shows, the Summer Shredding Classic, and um, trying to uh, work something out. But most likely we'll get that worked out and uh, have her do the event planning and basically set it up. We still need to nail down a venue, and then um, but by the new year we'd like to have registration open. I think by the new year we'll you'll be like if someone were to compete you'd be like 30 something weeks out so um i mean that's pretty solid like it's a great time to start prep for a lot of people and uh and yeah, yeah. since it, yeah. since it's a pro am we'll i'm gonna try to make it a super pro qualifier because i really want to you know i want to make it huge and uh get it you know 200 competitors bearcat also wants to schedule a seminar the same weekend so <laughs> like uh similar to like the um what's it called the, the summit whatever the, the you know the one with cliff wilson so that it's gonna be a lot of moving pieces and it's it's gonna be exciting and uh stressful but i'm, I'm really excited for it no that's awesome man so so from start to finish what you've done so far it's is it a pretty easy process to kind of manage and orchestrate? I mean, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of headaches and all the communication you have to do, but it's not as daunting as you would have thought. No, I don't. I mean, I don't think it will be because uh, the WMBF is pretty good about bringing on affiliates and um, they, you know, they have a plan set up, especially for first time promoters. And if it's something you're interested in, I, I think you should definitely reach out and, you know, I can give you all the the contact details and everything but um I, I think it's awesome man like i i don't think it's gonna be an impossible daunting task uh especially if you if you live like where the venue is gonna be like a normal person um we may have made mm -hmm. things a little bit harder by having <laughs> having the event not local to either of us i mean it's an hour and a half from uh where chris lives and um cross country from me but 
I don't think that's going to be a huge issue as long as, like I said, we have someone, I mean, I'm not, I'm not an event planner. So if we have an event planner handling the, that, that type of logistics, and I think everything else will fall into place. Like they have it already set up to where you get the trophies and medals. Uh, they have the drug testing set up. Uh, they have a polygraph company. So, you know, then you just got to work on getting like a, a venue and a host hotel try to get the host hotel to include uh, a couple of rooms for like polygraph testing at the, at the host hotel, spray tanning at the host hotel. Um, th that's really the hard stuff. And then, and then obviously you have the athlete meeting usually the day before, then you have how you're going to run the show. If it's going to be like a straight through show, or if you're going to have an intermission. Um, and then, you know, I've already reached out with uh, better aesthetics for the, um, the photos and video coverage. So I don't know, man. I, th I think it's going to be fun. No, that's awesome, man. I'm excited for you. I'll, I'll come down there even if I'm not. I won't be competing probably until 2020, but should I'll come down there and support? Yeah, maybe uh, maybe we do some guest posing or something. Hey, there you go. <laughs> there you go. There you go. You mentioned something while you were talking about taking time off, man. Dive into that because that's something that, you know, we, I think, is, is pretty second nature because, you know, I've been competing for a while. We just know that's the best thing to do in order to put on any quality size. but Man, it blows my mind. So many new competitors, they like do a show every six months or every year and nothing nothing ever changes. They look the same each time. So, so dive into some of the, the best practices, man. Yeah, I really think you need uh, at least a year of making gains. And so that, that doesn't mean like, I mean, even if you're taking a whole calendar year off, you're barely getting that year in because think about it. You do a show, right? Let's say that you, the show ends in, um, well, for me this year, it's going to be November. So, uh, the last show, I, I don't know, do we even talk about this? I'm, I'm like three days out from a show in Boston and then a little over two weeks out from, uh, WMBF worlds in, in LA in November. So, um, once, once November 17th rolls around, I'm going to head into the off season and focus on improving the areas of my physique that I, I see as weak points and, and basically, uh, getting back to a normal body fat just getting back to normal might take a couple months. Like it's different for everybody. I know, you know, our, our buddy Khan, he, he took a lot longer actually before he said he felt normal. And um, I think that was pretty much the same for him back all the way in 2013 too. So he takes a little longer to recover. I feel kind of fortunate that I, I can get back to feeling normal within like a month or two, which is kind of lucky. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I don't really take a super slow reverse. I like to just add like the five pounds right after the show and then another five pounds within a month or so. So I'm now, you know, up about 10 pounds and then slowly, uh, go from there, um, as you know, without, without, uh, adding a ton of body fat, but it's just not, it's just not feasible to try to maintain such a low body fat. So let's say you take a, on average, you take a few months to, to feel normal again, appetite, mood, libido, all hunger, all that stuff is like getting back to normal. Then now you can start actually focusing on gaining lean tissue and not just body fat, right? And uh, if you do that for a year, we'll, so show ended November, December, January, February, a year is next February. Um, if you were trying to compete in 2019, if you competed in 2018, you would really have to start prepping again in April. And that's like what? So now you had two months off basically, two, two months of any kind of progress, and then now you've immediately got to cut down. You, you may not have even added the tissue back that you've potentially lost during the diet in the first place. And so 
not only did you not look any better, but maybe you even looked slightly worse. So yeah, man, it's tough. I, I did that one time just to, just to fulfill uh, the requirement of competing within one year after winning the pro card. And after that, I, um, mm -hmm. that was in September, 2015. I competed again in April, 2016, but then I, I took off all the way until basically 2018 started another prep. So, um, a solid year and a half of being in a surplus almost the entire time. So, uh, definitely need to take that time if you really want to see any progress. Does the requirement for the WNBF to compete within a calendar year uh, after obtaining your pro card, is that, like, I mean, can it be like a week after? Like, if I if I was to earn my pro card and then do another show, like, a week after I'm, I've fulfilled that requirement? Yeah, absolutely. And that's probably what I should have done <laughs> in hindsight. Uh, then I would have given myself an extra, <laughs> like, six months. But, you know, everything happens, like, everything works out, right? So, I, um, you just kind of adjust your plan and roll the punches. That second prep was probably the hardest prep ever because I was already, I felt like calories were kind of low and um, I had gained about 20 pounds and then had to drop that same 20 pounds. Um, I felt like my upper body ended up looking better, but my legs were nowhere near as good as they were, in my opinion, in my 2015 to 2016. But I've, I've made up for that now. I've, um, you know, I took my time. I, um, I, I ended up getting a ton of great photos. You brought your legs up a lot, man. Thanks, man. I appreciate that. But I think I think one of the key things was um, I I learned a lot during that second, which is my third ever prep, but it was this the the back to back one, um, and about how mm -hmm. I never wanted to take a short off season again, basically. And then also um, I I got a ton of great photos, so I, I grew my social media and my my online coaching and and everything grew because of it. Even though you know I placed like fifth out of six in my first pro show. Um, I was, I was content with how everything worked out. So, um, I don't, I'm not like one of those guys that says like everything happens for a reason, but, uh, I don't regret what I did. Like I learned from it and, and I'm better now for it, I guess. No, absolutely, man. It's, it's kind of hard. Cause I mean, for your, for your body, you want to look better each time you compete. So you want to take that, that time off but at the same time, you know, you and I both make our living, you know, promoting our business, building our brand, the coaching, whatever else we're doing. So like, if you take, you know, one, two, three years as an off season, that, that's a long time where you're not having any, you know, really eye catching pictures. Cause I mean, like right now I'm full blown off season. Like I, I don't look like I would, like, I know I can look, I don't look as good as a, as I have it in my mind to look, I mean, I mean, I've got fluff on me, you know, and it's harder to market to people that because they don't even understand that process. Yeah. It's so mentally hard. Um, and I, and that's one reason why, so with me during the off season, I do feel like I'm a lot uh, more creative. So I have a lot of like, uh, that's when I can make really cool comparison photos. When I'm, when I'm in the moment, like right now during a prep, uh, I, I just don't feel quite as creative and, and just all the photos are new and um, eye catching as they are. So, I mean, you just have to find a way to come up with content that is going to help people and also going to, um, you know, catch people's attention during the off season as well. And I think I did a pretty good job of that in 2017 and um, looking forward to doing that again next year in 2019. But the main thing is people just want to follow a story, you know? So even if you're, even if you're not shredded, at least if you can continue to show the updates and show what you're improving on or like uh, hitting PRs or whatever it is in the gym. And then for, for me with my coaching, I, I want to start showing a lot more uh, client progress as well so that it's not just me. It's, you know, it's uh, the whole team, which 
you know, anyone that I'm coaching is, is part of my team. So social media is crazy, man. It, it makes you um, reevaluate things and do things differently that maybe you, you wouldn't have done otherwise. Like as far as, uh, you know, it might be, I, I'm not exactly sure how I'm going to approach this off season um, because I uh, also want to start doing a lot more cycling. So I wanted to do some bike racing next year. I did one race. Uh, it was like the day after my birthday. So it was about August 25th, I think it was, was the race. And it was, it was difficult. Um, I just need more time to, uh, to, to train, but at the same time, like it's all power to weight ratio. So you don't want to be too heavy. So now should I stay leaner? Um, you know, I, I, it's hard to say, like, I really don't know, uh, what I want to do and how I want to approach it. I made like a long Facebook post about it, uh, the other day. Uh, but it's a tough call because um, I don't mind putting bodybuilding and like actually gaining muscle on the back burner, but I also don't want to lose muscle. Um, so I don't know. It'll be interesting. What do you think? That's that's a tough question, man. Because like there's like I I ask myself that same question often because there's so many things that I would want to do, but they're not really conducive to being the best bodybuilder that I can be. And you know, for me, like I, I want to have a very like I've got a lot of diverse interests, but I love bodybuilding. So that's kind of like my home base, my foundation. And I always want to go back to that. And I do want to be the best bodybuilder I can be, but not at the detriment of, you know, experiencing some of these other things. Like the other day I ran a marathon, which is not conducive to bodybuilding at all, but I just wanted to do it. I never trained for a marathon and I just, <laughs> I just went and did it, you know, but, wow. but I like having those experiences. Yeah, it was, it was actually 27 miles because it was like a little bit longer. But yeah, 27 miles. I had I did zero training. I literally ran twice prior to, to doing the marathon. And I, I did it big old, you know, off-season bodybuilder self bouncing around out there. <laughs> what do you weigh right now, like 200? No, I'm like 187, 190, somewhere in there. Oh, okay. Well, it's not far off from 200, man. That's a lot of weight. Man, I didn't yeah, know that man, you did it was, that. It was, my feet incredible. were killing me. I can only yeah, imagine. Yeah, yeah. Well, I had so many people saying I couldn't, so I wanted to prove them all wrong. <laughs> so, really, you didn't train? You didn't do any distance running before that? No, zero. I, I literally, I bought a pair of shoes because I didn't have any running shoes. So, I bought a pair of running shoes, and I ran twice, uh, you know, one week. And then I, I ran once one week right, right after I got the shoes, like the day I got the shoes. And then I ran one more time the next week. And then the next week was the marathon. So, I ran twice. I mean, I've run three times this whole year, man, and the marathon was one of those three. You're insane. You you really are a savage. <laughs> yeah, man. Well, so many people were saying that I had to have carbs to run a marathon because it's endurance. And I'm like, no, nah, I feel like I could do it pretty good. And honestly, I never had any any issues with energy whatsoever. Like I felt fuel the whole way through. My feet, man, my feet were killing me though because they weren't conditioned for that kind of, you know, continuous just beating. And I mean, I literally could not walk for like three days straight, man. It was rough. Yeah, I can imagine. I mean, people often um, are blown away by some of the things that I do. Like I, so last Monday I, I, I rode uh, 86 and a half miles on my bike, but I didn't just wake up one day and do that. <laughs> I, um, I've been riding a hundred to 150 miles almost every week uh, prior to that. So that, that was just like maybe 30 something miles longer than my normal ride, which is between 50 and 55 miles. So um yeah, while it was harder on contest prep and the closer that I get to uh, my full, you know, potential shreddedness of 6% body fat or whatever it might be, right? Like it's it's more difficult for sure. But um, holy shit, man, I, I'm just blown away that you ran a marathon without training. 
Well, the, the biking is hard too, man. I've, I've never done much biking, but I'm, I'm actually listening to a podcast right now and they're talking about um, the Ram race. Have you ever heard of that? No. What is that one? It's basically like a week long race from one end of the country oh, to the other end of the country diagonally. Yeah. Race yeah, yeah. 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 I, sorry. I didn't, um, I didn't, catch, I didn't know the acronym, but yeah, I'm, I'm familiar with that one. They normally, so they have teams. And they have an RV usually follow behind them, and then they, they mm-hmm. switch off. But yeah, it's basically nonstop, right? They, when one person switches, the other person rests. No, it's it's like they don't even switch. It's just like they just it's like the one person goes. Like they have a team that that follows them and is a caretaker for them. Like they'll bring them, you know, food. They make sure they got everything they need. But it's one person that's riding the whole time. So they'll often do like twenty two hours of continual, you know, pedaling, and then sleep for two hours, and then just get back on the bike and do it again the next day for like you know, seven days straight. That's insane, man. The, the, yeah, it's both my mind is capable of is just really mind blowing. So that day I did 86 and a half miles. I was, um, in the saddle for six or seven hours, I think. And, um, I mean, that's just crazy though, just to know that you're constantly pedaling, uh, at a pretty solid pace. I think I, at the end of the, the day, I averaged about almost 16 miles an hour. And, <laughs> Mm-hmm. That's just that's just crazy that I'm like going 16 miles an hour for five and a half hours straight with just a couple stops for food and uh, using the bathroom and water and stuff. So so let me ask you, man, with with you doing that kind of endurance cycling and being a natural bodybuilder, I mean, how do you justify like what is your thought process like between doing because I mean they're they're two opposite ends of the spectrum and I don't know like I've I've come to think that there may not be that much of a disconnect like i'm not convinced that cycling is so incredibly detrimental to bodybuilding that it, it makes it a, a negative if that makes sense yeah i agree um i've talked to people that definitely think that it is but that's because in my opinion they don't lift weights so they don't really know better uh you know lifting weights creates a anabolic response in your body the act of weightlifting is catabolic but if you uh you know you fuel up properly pre maybe even during and and definitely post then your body's going to get signals to say hey man we need to build muscle to to uh adapt to to the stimulus that you've you know you've you're you're making us do a lot of hard work let me get better at it i feel like cycling and such other you know low impact endurance stuff is very similar um especially low impact because now your body doesn't necessarily think oh man i gotta shed all this weight because uh I'm bouncing around. It's like um, you're on a bike and you're just pedaling. So it's not like, uh, in fact, there's there's some element of hit. Like if you go up a hill and the terrain is always changing. But, you know, as far as like, no, I don't think people would think, oh, this look at this guy. He's, he's walking for four hours or he's a waiter or whatever. It's a very similar stimulus to that, but maybe just higher paced. So um, I think for the most part, if you're eating uh, protein during the ride and you have to eat during the ride, uh, it definitely helps. And um, you're eating before and after. I just don't think that you're going to break down as much muscle as people think. It's just, it's so easy to eat enough to maintain as long as you are diligent about it. Yeah, I, I totally agree, man. Especially with what I've found, you know, with, with keto. Cause like when I was before keto, like I would, I would literally eat, you know, six or seven times a day every, you know, hour or two, because that's what I thought I had to do in order to not, you know, catabolize all my muscle. But now, I mean, I eat once or twice a day and I still hit PRs in the gym. I still, you know, all my measurements improve, like everything improves, but I'm not eating as much. So like there's so many 
traditional, you know, pieces of wisdom that you hear that aren't really so much wisdom so much as they are fallacy. And I don't know, like, like you said, the human body is capable of so much more. I said, uh, when you, when you say you're not eating as much, you mean you're not eating as often, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. So my calories are still high. I'm just, I'm spreading it out much more. So my, my fasting window is much, much longer. Right, right. Yeah. And I, and I agree that, uh, people can overcomplicate things for sure. And I, and I think, um, obviously the higher fat meals just digest slower. So you're still getting those nutrients just over a longer period of time because digestion is slowed down is, is what I would say, right? Yeah, definitely. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, so tell, tell us a little bit about your protocol. Cause like I said in the beginning, you know, you're not keto. Um, but I'd love to hear kind of like your, your take on how you do contest prep. Like what do you do for yourself? What do you do for your clients? Like what is, what is that transition from, you know, the standard everyday walking around body fat to, you know, show stage ready at, you know, six, five, 4% body fat look like, how's, how's that look like uh, for you? Yeah. So it's, it's interesting. I've never put myself into, um, uh, like a keto diet with high fat and next to, you know, low or no carbs, but I, I'm sure I'm in keto right now. I'm actually, um, depleting for these three days. So yesterday, today, and tomorrow, and my macros right now are 55 fat, 50 carbs, but from veggies only. So a lot of that is fiber and uh, pretty much very little to no sugar. And then um, around uh, 180 protein. So I'd be surprised and I'm and I'm doing fasted cardio right now. Um, I don't normally do fasted cardio, but it's uh, when my energy levels are best is like early in the morning. So I would be surprised if I'm not in ketosis uh, just based on, you know, the lack of calories in general. But, um, but uh, in, in general, so like in the off season, I actually don't even track macros. I, I've got a pretty good relationship with food. I have a wife and two kids and we just, we just eat normally. I just try to make sure that I'm choosing, um, high protein options so that I'm getting, you know, roughly, um, 150 to 200 grams of protein a day. And then the rest of the calories, I kind of let them just, um, fall where they need to based on, uh, what my goals are intuitively. So like if, uh, I, I do still weigh myself um, several times a week in the morning, you know, for consistency and just to kind of make sure that the weight is moving in the general direction. I was actually, and, I, and I, when I tell people this, they, they're usually pretty surprised, but I was able to gain um, one to two pounds a month for a total of like um, 15 pounds over the course of uh, about a year, last like in 2017 for like um, literally from March to, uh, the end of the year, basically I went from like 152 to 154 to 166. And, um, I did that without tracking pretty much at all the entire time. So I finished the mini cut, um, at like 152 and after, you know, um, kind of depleted carbs go back up and I was like 154. And then just about 10 months later, uh, only up about um, 12 pounds. So it was pretty much perfect. Um, and I just did that intuitively. So like if I felt like I ate too much the day before, I'd eat just a little bit less the next day. And then um, I just focused on my training and I, and I just trained really as hard as I could and higher frequency. I ran um, my uh, max height training program for the whole time. And I was hitting PRs uh, just throughout the entire time. And then even throughout the beginning of my cut, I was still hitting PRs until about, until body weight got like below 150. And then I'm, you know, just hanging, hanging on, hanging on until you know strength starts to go the other direction but but yeah once once prep started i started tracking macros 
Um, but I didn't stop eating out. So I kept eating out and just being flexible. And I would say that I was tracking most days, but then I was doing a lot of traveling for expos. So I did like LA Fit Expo in January, um, the Arnold in February or March or whatever I did. Um, there's like the Europa Expos in Dallas and uh, Orlando. And then I did uh, Body Power in England. So even though I was technically in prep the whole time and I needed to continue to make progress, I was okay with like half a pound to one pound at most a week because I had given myself plenty of time. Um, I technically started at the very, very end of November, but I knew, you know, I had Thanksgiving that I didn't track. I had Christmas, I had New Year's, I had um, birthdays and anniversaries and all these things. So I wanted to be able to uh, still enjoy those with my family and then all the, the traveling stuff. I didn't want to try to like have to bring a scale and be a slave to tracking while traveling. So I just I took it easy and I used moderation and um, I was able to go from like, you know, whatever it was, 166.8, I think is where I started at and um, down to about 142 to 145. So weight was bouncing around and it was getting more difficult because I was getting hungrier and I felt like I just needed to be more accurate. And I did that over the course of like eight months or so. And I dropped like what, 25 pounds. And then, um, then that's when I handed the prep over to uh, my business partner and, and good friend, Chris Barricat and said, um, all right, man, I need to get serious because the show's in like a month. And uh, so once I got back from the uh, Olympia Expo in Vegas, that's, we, we just, you know, kicked it up a notch and I stopped eating out completely. We depleted it for like a whole week um, just to get as much fat loss as possible for that show, which was basically a warm up show. I only did that show because uh, in New York for a couple of reasons, it's because I won my pro card there in 2015. So it was cool to come back and do a pro show. New York is a cool place to visit. I've only had been there that one time and um, I wanted to qualify for Worlds, which was the main event for me, which would be um, about eight weeks later in November from that from when that New York show was. And um, I still came in the best I had ever looked and um, took third in a solid lineup. And I feel like, I just feel like if I would have um, came in a little bit leaner, I, I could have won that show, I think. But then, mm. then that's a long time to be like, like fully shred it, you know, until, until November, that's seven, seven or eight more weeks. That's kind of hard. So I was, I was happy with how everything turned out and it motivated me so much that I was like, I'm going to do, I want to do one more show in between worlds and, uh, the last one. So, um, that's why I signed up for the Boston show, which is three days from now on Sunday. And, um, I'm, I'm excited, man. This is like by far the best I've ever looked, um, so much leaner than I was in New York and uh, still, in my opinion, hopefully maintaining all the same muscle mass. And we're going to be a lot more aggressive with the peak this week because uh, there's nothing to lose. And then it'll give us some really good data on how, like, how far we can push it for Worlds, which is two weeks after this show. No, this, this is exciting, man. You're, you're, in the, you're in the game time right now for sure. H have you noticed, like, what would you say the difference is between, you know, this year's prep versus years prior were, were you coming in sharper this year like did you change a whole lot of your strategy or is it more a matter of your body just being you know more acclimated to doing preps like the more you do your, your the more your body responds you get more muscle maturity now it's kind of like you're a more seasoned athlete well i think i did gain a lot of uh size and I, I brought up a lot of weak points in my off season i brought up like you mentioned my legs my my quads are better than they've ever been uh, I don't know if cycling had anything to do with that, but I, I just think it was the consistency. I was training legs three times a week. Since I can't squat because of a, a tear in my left hip, I have to find uh, 
other exercises that I can tolerate. So like I do goblet squats and Bulgarian split squats. And so with max hype, it's a six out of eight days and three of those days are lower body. So one day is specifically focused on hamstrings. And I think I brought my hamstrings up more than any other body part really. And then the other one would probably be my delts because they've just, they're just small. My shoulder joints are small. So um, I had to put a lot of focus on growing the muscle around them to get the same look that maybe somebody with a larger, uh, you know, shoulder cap would, you know, was able to achieve. So, um, just say, yeah, bringing up weak points was a big thing and actually making gains and giving myself a long off season. And then I think just taking the, the prep so slow in the beginning, uh, gave me the ability to continue to make a little bit of progress, even as I was dieting down because I wasn't, you know, always in a big deficit, uh, probably not always in a deficit at all. You know, a lot of days traveling and stuff like that. It's like almost having not li like little diet breaks here and there almost like initially I had planned to get sub 150. So I'm like 138 right now, which I don't know if that's going to shock anybody out there. But, <laughs> um, I, um, yeah, as I a natural butter, we get super light. <laughs> yeah. I, I plan to get sub 150 and then take a diet break. But the way the timing worked out, I didn't actually take a diet break. Instead, it was like, you know, I was taking these like large, not, not so much refeeds, but days where I'm not in a deficit or whatever. So, and then just the longer prep uh, was similar to my 2015 prep. And, and I know I looked the sharpest then because I didn't rush it. And I, you know, I took my time and I, I don't think I was sacrificing a lot of muscle mass. The, my, my calories are so low though. Also, like, um, that's the other thing is I couldn't be afraid to get more aggressive. I work a desk job doing online coaching full time. So, and, and before that I was in sales before I transitioned to doing the coaching and social media full time, I was in sales. So same thing, it was a desk job. And it's just, it is what it is with being so sedentary. Uh, you, you, sometimes, you, you know, and if being a smaller person as well, you have to be willing to uh, go on calories that maybe other people aren't willing to do or think maybe isn't normal or whatever. Like, you know, people like to brag about being on 300 carbs and losing weight and why, I, I love that when my clients are able to do that, uh, maybe if they have a more active lifestyle or, or whatever, you know, their, their job is more physically active. I just simply don't have that luxury. So I have to do more cardio and uh, diet a little bit harder. So it is what it is, but you can't be afraid to do that. So that's one thing also that working with Bearcat is the dude is just not afraid to, uh, to push me. So um, hundred carbs a day. Sure. Whatever. 75 carbs a day. Let's go. It's okay. Whatever. 1500 calories a day. Let's do it. So 1500 is pretty much the depth of what you'll probably get down to on your caloric intake. Uh, I'm on, I'm depleting right now on 1415, but last week I was on 1445. I just had a little more carbs and a little less fat, but, um, yeah, it is what it is. Yeah. We should probably preface this because like a lot of people will hear this and like, oh, I need to be taking in 1450 calories. <laughs> but I mean, like yeah. you said, you're 138 pounds right now. How, how tall are you? Uh, about five, six. And that's, that's something I, I pointed out on my, um, one of my Instagram posts just yesterday. Like you cannot compare the most extreme part of my diet with, uh, the diet that you're getting on just to look better for the beach in the summer. Like they're completely different things. And yeah. you know, if you're a 200 pound guy that is a firefighter, you know, you might be able to diet on 3000 calories because it is what it is. Like we have very different, uh, metabolisms. We have very different lean body mass and our goals are also very different. Like I've already been dieting for almost a year. So just please don't think that 
you need to be on 1400 calories to make progress. Maybe you do, but it's unlikely, you know, you, you probably should start out with a much more gradual approach. Yeah. I, it's kind of crazy, man. Like when I transitioned into coaching, there's so much that I learned from my years, you know, prior to that, just in, in bodybuilding that I learned about just like caloric manipulations and whatnot. But the whole concept of tapering your macros down is like foreign to so many people. And to us, that's just like second nature. Yeah, I agree. Like you, the more people you work with, the more that you learn about, um, you know, how, how certain people respond. Like, for example, changing someone's macros by 15 carbs, that's like, what, 60 calories? Like, you know, that generally isn't going to make you, um, that's not going to be a huge difference. But you'll notice that somebody might have stalled out or maybe they had two weeks where weight didn't change very much and you make a very small adjustment and then boom, they're losing a pound a week. And it's crazy because, you know, it's not, it's not really because of those 60 calories, but it's, that it just kicks their body up and something changes. And it's like, it's very interesting just to see how, I mean, it happens so often. Yeah. It's, it's, it's mind blowing, man. What, what do you normally go up to in your off season? Like what, what kind of caloric intake are you, I know you're not tracking, but if you just had that, had to guess. Yeah. If I had to guess, I think it's anywhere between 2,500 and 3,000 a day. Uh, and it, and it just varies. And, um, to me, that's a decent amount of food, you know, for someone who only gets up to uh, at the very heaviest, like 170. And that's pretty fat for me. I yeah, think I agree. I'll I think... probably hang out around 160 uh, at, at the most this offseason. But we're, I don't know. We'll see. You know, it depends on how I feel with all the additional cardio. And if I decide to take 2019 um, with like bodybuilding completely on the back burner and then stay leaner, maybe I'll stay 150. So I, I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, no, it's it's interesting to see how your body responds to caloric surplus, man. Like I'm at six thousand calories right now, and I'm just surprised that my body hasn't put on more fat than it has. Yeah, that's insane. Six thousand calories, wow. Yeah, I don't like it. I don't recommend it. It's just way too much food. I'm just doing it as an experiment, so other people don't have to. How much are you gaining uh, per week? Honestly, man, I've kind of like plateaued. Like my body's kind of been at the one eighty five, one eighty seven mark for for quite some time now. Like it's 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 taken what I'm putting in it and it's just pretty much like equalized itself. It's really strange. That's it's like there's an upper, upper threshold as much as there's a lower threshold. What, um, that's insane. So what's your training like? I'm sure you must have tons of energy. I do, but I don't know. I, I feel like I've, I've, I've got, I've got so much stuff going on right now with the business side that my training's kind of suffered, which is one of my main motivations for I'm building a gym right now. So I'm going to have that so that I can remove that as an excuse. But yeah, man, training's not been as optimal as I would like, but when eating that much food, training heavy, I, I notice you know pretty pretty substantial strength gains week after week. I mean, my my body's taking that fuel and, and using it for sure. Yeah, I can imagine. I have a friend in England who is on a very high calorie diet as well, and he's made like incredible gains. He's like two hundred thirty something pounds. He competed at one seventy, and I, I just. It blows my mind that uh, natural as well. It blows my mind that he looks as good as he does so much over stage weight. Um, I mean, he also trains really, really hard, goes really heavy. Uh, as long as he avoids injury, um, it'd be really cool to see where he ends up um, in the future, like stage weight wise, like if it's actually possible that he's gonna uh, retain that muscle mass. His name's Dan. Um, man, what is his last name? I forget, but... Uh, Pretty incredible. Oh, uh, Park. Dan Park. You might know him. Dan Park. Yeah, I'll check him out for sure. I'll check him out. 
Yeah, it's it's pretty interesting, man. Like I'm really wanting to, you know, by 2019, I hope to have the gym done and I could just block that entire year out to to really focus on my training, you know, keeping calories high and just really optimize my off season. So that when I compete again in 2020, it's a substantial difference from what I look like when I stepped on stage in 2017. But I mean, training, like so many people, they train harder in their contest prep than they do in their off season and, and they have it all backwards. I mean, you should just train hard, you know, whatever season you're in, so to speak. But so many people, they they tap the brakes when they go into an off season because they don't have the, the physical appeal of looking as, as shredded as they do, you know, in, in a contest prep. But that's the time to really, really hit the gas hard. Yeah, I agree with you. I think uh, it's it's all about motivation, um, which and discipline, obviously, because you can't stay. You know, no one expects you to stay motivated twenty four seven. But you have to uh, you have to like realize that it's body building, and that if you're not building in the off season, then what are you doing? So whether that means you have to get on a new program to like really to like spark that fire again, or I mean, I think that's one. Like, so I, I don't think powerlifting is necessarily the best thing for a bodybuilder to do in the off season because it's not focused as much on hypertrophy. But I do think that powerlifters uh, or, or power builders or whatever you want to call it, right? At least they have goals to get stronger and that their training intensity is going to stay higher versus uh, someone that is just doing hypertrophy training who attacks the off season or doesn't attack the off season at all, just kind of like gets through the off season, takes it as almost like a, a break and then they want to prep again and then they they get surprised when they realize they haven't made any progress um or very little progress so especially once you're past that like first five years if you're not if you're not really putting in uh 100 effort in the off season then you're just you're gonna stop making progress it is what it is you gotta train hard i totally agree man totally agree what what are some some training principles that you've learned because training for a natural athlete is going to be considerably different than training for you know someone that's taken performance enhancing drugs. I mean, your recovery time is going to be a bit longer. I mean, your ability to, to lift heavier and build is going to be a bit different. So what are some principles that you apply for yourself in, in an off season? Well, for frequency, one, I, I think you said training frequency is key. Yeah. My frequency goes, uh, higher. Like, so when I, so I ran max hype and I was at six out of eight days and, um, I was doing upper lower rest and then four days of alternating between two upper body parts together and then like um, a quad focus day or hamstring focus day. And then, so for example, like chest and arms, uh, quads and adductors, and then together would be um, uh, back and delts. And then the last day would be like hamstrings and calves, then rest and then repeat that, but with a different rep range. And then the second set of four days would be like chest and back, quads and adductors again, and then um, uh, delts and arms, and then uh, hamstrings and calves again, and then rest and repeat again. So, and then there's a third rep range that alternates. So now you have weekly undulating periodization with three different rep ranges, but two different weeks. And so basically it's six weeks before you repeat the exact same workout. And and that really kept it fresh. And uh, the first two days being upper lower, we would cycle through five by five, four by eight, and three sets of 10. And so you're getting, um, you know, three sets of 10 is a lot easier, but it's still a different rep range, three sets of 10 to 12. And then um, the five by five is really hard and the workouts take a little longer. Four by eight is really fun. You get a nice solid pump. Um, but then because of the, you know, the way it cycles, you're getting, a, and you're in a surplus, you're getting enough time to actually continue to hit PRs. And then every uh, six 
weeks or so, you could take a deload if you want on the seventh week. It just depends on your intensity and how you feel. But uh, the other thing you can do is change out those um, first exercise of the uh, of the upper and lower. So like if you wanted to focus on incline bench for six weeks, then you can maybe go to flat bench for six weeks. And um, to me, that just keeps it super fresh. And I, I stuck with uh, flat bench for the longest time. Then I switched to incline. And um, I, I like... Uh, I just like seeing progress and uh and i was definitely seeing progress so for me training hard is important i like high volume as well i like getting sick pumps but i also like uh monitoring strength gains too so and, and not just in lower like i don't actually ever really train below five reps but i'm not saying that you shouldn't just that for me as far as like uh my little small joints and my propensity to get injured um i found that not going below five is best for me and how many how many total exercises are you normally performing for a given muscle group? Well, so um, on the upper day, you're you're gonna hit your your main chest exercise, which is four or five sets. Then you're gonna do a uh, like a back four or five sets, like a horizontal row. Then you're gonna do another press, but like a vertical, so like a OHP or a uh, seated shoulder or standing shoulder press. And uh, that's another four sets. And then you're gonna do a vertical pull down. So another back exercise, but instead of horizontal row, it's a vertical, like a lat pull down or weighted pull ups, another four sets. And then from there you have like uh, three or four different supersets of all types of stuff. Like you know, straight arm lat press downs, front raises, uh, lateral raises, face pulls, cable flies, and uh, then, you know, um, three sets each of curls and press downs. So there's a lot of volume and, and that's like a typical upper day. And then when you go into your other day where it's more specialized, then you've got say three exercises of each. Um, so maybe 12 sets each. So throughout the week, you're getting maybe 20 sets. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. I've been, I've been playing around with a lot of different training techniques, but I'm going to, I'm going to do whatever you're doing for chess, man. I mean, my chest is my weakest point for sure. And I, I think chess is probably one of your strongest. Yeah, you know what's funny? I think a lot of it obviously is genetics, but like I think it's interesting that I've seen over the years is that if someone has really good arms, um, like let's say that their arms are short and they and they um, just the mechanical leverages. If you have shorter arms, usually you have uh, better triceps and then a weaker chest. If you have long arms, usually you have shittier triceps and a way stronger chest. So I think a lot of it comes mm -hmm. down to uh, mechanical leverage too. So like if you're where your grip position is at. If you're going super wide, you might not um, have, so I think really the best for bench press, at least I found that the best position for chest activation is more of like a, a medium width grip. So not too narrow, not too wide and um, allowing, you know, some flare in the elbows. Uh, but it's, it's cool, man. Everybody's different. So it's really cool to see the differences and how certain uh, stimulus will affect you. I wish I'd get my upper chest to grow. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm I'm going to I'm going to work on my chest. I'm going to start doing like frequency for really, you know, weak point training like my calves for instance, man. Like my I used to never have any calves and I just said screw it, I'm going to train them every single day. So I superset everything I do, I superset with calves and I do calves with every single exercise every single day and they've really started to grow and that's that's the only reason why. I think it's awesome, man. I like people don't realize that enough in my opinion. I think in the beginning, um that's probably not the best thing to do, right? Because you need to give your muscles time to rest and recover. But once you've realized that this is a super lagging body part and that you've been training 
X amount of years and, and you have a body part that's not growing, it does not hurt to literally just start hitting it every day and seeing if you're going to make progress. And I think like, I, I agree with that for arms specifically, like a lot of people that uh, complain about having like super small arms. I don't think that they would, uh, I don't think it would hurt to try hitting arms every day, especially when it's a muscle group that recovers so quickly. Yeah, I totally agree, man. Totally agree. Listen, brother, we've been on for almost an hour. I want to be respectful of your time. But before we go, you know, I both natural bodybuilders. We both love the sport. Give, give like a, like your final thought, man. Give, give a reason for people that might be on the fence as to whether or not they should jump into this and give it a shot. Like what, what's, what's your uh, call to action speech to them? Yeah, I think that if you have ever thought about doing a show and, uh, and you've been like on the, on the fence about it, I really think you should just hire a coach, pick out a show and see what you're capable of doing because there's there's very few sports out there that will push you um and then like really uh test your mental fortitude and your discipline like prepping for a natural bodybuilding show um maybe it's not something that you fall in love with and maybe it's not something that you decide that you're going to continue to compete in for the next 10 years but uh the experience alone i think will change you uh usually for the better <laughs> but uh for me i compare it to marine corps boot camp um, that was one of the hardest things I've ever done. And, and I went and um, I did a tour in Iraq and honestly, boot camp was harder than that. And so um, I, I really do compare the, the end stages of uh, bodybuilding contest prep to Marine boot camp because it really just, it breaks you down and it tests your spirit, tests your discipline, your willpower uh, in ways that you just, there's almost nothing like it. I mean, I think probably training for a marathon, like if you're actually training for it and you're pushing for PRs and, and, and going beyond uh, your limit is, is probably pretty similar. But um, the diet is forever. Like, like it doesn't, you can't really turn it off. Like when you're in prep, there's, you know, you eat and maybe you're satisfied for half an hour or so. But when you're at the end and you're hungry 24 seven, there's just something about that type of suffering that, uh, that prolonged suffering for a couple months at a time or longer that is very special and it, it almost like unlocks some shit inside of you. No, I totally agree, man. Like it's 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 weird, but it's it's awesome. Like I come out of a prep so much stronger every single time I do a prep. Like it's it's what I do now when I need to realize who I am again. And you just you're just locked down to like your primitive being and you figure out what you're made of because it's it's a whole nother animal to be in such a you know depleted state and have food in abundance all around you, but then have the mental fortitude to say no to it, to stay in line with your goals, be consistent and disciplined with your eating and your training. I mean, it it's 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 no joke. I mean, you find out what you're made of real quick. Yeah, it's funny. I think like some of my clients don't realize how much easier they actually have it. Uh, like the single guys that literally all they have to do is just not buy the food that would tempt them. But I have, I have a wife and two kids, so I can walk downstairs right now and I could down an entire box of Cinnamon Toast Crunch. But that wouldn't get me that I want to win the lightweight world championships in a little over two weeks. So that wouldn't put me in the position to do that. So I obviously uh, don't don't ever even consider it. I'm not, am I tempted? No, not even really. I mean, honestly, like it's, it, it wouldn't be, uh, it wouldn't it wouldn't help me reach my goals uh it'd be like one of those short-term things like man that felt great but now what have i done and so it, it's just cool man to see like how much willpower the human body has and how strong you can really be mentally 
And um, I, I don't know how to replicate that in other things, but I think like, you know, um, some of these really hard endurance sports, uh, it's probably like a similar mindset, although it's like a it's more brief, you know, like a, a marathon being like four to six hours of uh, suffering versus this like prolonged suffering. So it's, it's, it's really interesting and, um, and I, I love it. And then don't get me wrong, I can't wait until um, <laughs> November 17th comes and I can go into the off season, but it really does make you appreciate yeah. all the food that you can have afterwards and, uh, and you know, and, and eating unrestricted or, or whatever. So it's, it's just, um, I guess it's like that thing, right? Where if, uh, if there was no like suffering, then there, there, you wouldn't really be able to appreciate how good you have and all the, the happiness. So it's pretty cool. hundred percent agree, man. Not enough people push themselves past the point of what they think they're capable of, but but bodybuilding is a great vehicle to do just that. And, and like you said, I don't, I don't know too many other sports. I mean, there's a lot of hard sports out there, but there's not anything really like bodybuilding. And of course, I'm probably biased as a bodybuilder, but I mean, it's a whole other kind of animal. Yeah, I think probably the Tour de France is probably way harder because <laughs> they're doing like 23 days with those are like two rest days in the whole thing. It's like 21 stages, 22 stages and 2,500 miles or something like that. Um, I can't think of something harder than that. That's probably like one of the hardest things. But um, and then maybe an ultra marathon is probably pretty hard. I mean, you ran a marathon, so I can only imagine what like 100 miles would feel like. But uh, but as, <laughs> yeah, but as far as like knowing that you're going to sleep hungry, you're going to wake up hungry and you're going to stay hungry is, I mean, man, and then you still have to train. And, and if you don't train hard, you lose more muscle mass than than, you know, is acceptable. And that's even worse. <laughs> yeah. And we love it. <laughs> yeah. Well, listen, brother, I know uh, I know you got to go, man. What what's a, where can people go to find out more about you? What's the best place to get in touch with with Chris Elkins? Oh, uh, yeah, I think the easiest way is just to pull up my Instagram. You can just type in my name, Chris Elkins. Uh, it's at Chris underscore Elkins. And then from there, you have the links to all my stuff. My uh, my coaching website, cuttingedgephysiques.com and my uh, training program brand, which is maxhypetraining.com. Awesome, man. Well, I really appreciate you jumping on here, brother. It's, it's good to you know, catch up with you. I hadn't seen you in a long time, so we're going to have to reunite. I'll definitely come out to that show in August if all, if all goes well and I'm able to fit it in my schedule, man. I'd love to go out there and support you doing that. Yeah, that'd be awesome to have you there, man. And uh, anyone else that's listening now, um, we hope to see you there as well, whether either in the audience or maybe on stage for your first show. Uh, we're going to have all the all the classes. So we'll have a novice class and then we're even going to have a, a debut class. So it'll be only for people doing their first show. Awesome. I love it, man. I love it. We'll keep killing the game, brother. Thanks a lot, man. You too. Same to you.